0: Hello and welcome to the Village Table. I'm Donna and I've got Janae here with me.
1: Hi Donna. I'm so glad to have you back.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that we're back.
1: Me too. It's been too long. I hate it when life gets in the way, but... Yeah, um,
0: we're learning our recordings drop as, as we're able. And you know
1: what? We're trying to be more on task, but then we're going to just give ourselves grace and go with it.
0: I love it. I love it. And today at the Village Table, we're really excited because we have a special guest with us. Uh, It's Dr. Humans the professor in the School of Ministry. I love this part. Director of the Directors of Christian Education.
2: Absolutely. Got to love a good redundant title. But what that means for those who don't speak Lutheranese is we train youth ministers, children's ministers, missionaries, all the auxiliary roles in the church.
0: At Concordia, Austin. At Concordia
2: University, Texas. Love it. Yes.
0: Love it. I actually was at Concordia, Austin. It was very... Um, hard for me to see the new campus, but it is gorgeous and you're blessed. blast. It's amazing. And the old campus is... Historic.
2: The term we use oh. is historic because we don't want to make fun of old people. Oh, thank you so yes. much. Yes. So very yes. much.
0: I did appreciate. So, Janae, um, the historic campus is off of I-35, and now it's condos and yep. businesses and everything. But they did keep two street names. They did. One was Concordia. Yeah. uh-huh. And uh, I think the other one's Martin? Correct. Well, you know, Correct.
1: that is kind of where some of the Lutherans did come in to the United States, so they have to keep some of their roots there. <laughs> That's true. Very true. I mean, I have to say that because one of my great-grandfathers actually helped found Concordia Austin. So. Wow. wow. Very
0: That's cool. That's fantastic. Very yeah. cool. Well, wow, I, I, I miss the historic campus, but I, mm-hmm. I gotta say, you guys have done some great things. Thank with the new you. Campus. We're it's blessed. Beautiful, gorgeous, yeah. very wooded.
2: Yes. I, it feels like Camp Concordia at mm-hmm. times, but uh, homework is still due on time.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Dr. Eumanns, you're mm-hmm. here for some other reasons. Yes. And uh, we, we're we gonna kind of set those aside. So, Janae good. and I wanted to put you at the table um, so that we could talk about this thing. You have just this. Knowledge of Generations. Oh, thank you. And um, I've loved the conversations that we've been able to share concerning um, Gen X and Millennials and Gen Z and Generation Alpha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, how parenting... It's
2: happening, how it looks
0: different than the past.
2: Absolutely. And
0: I love the way that you frame it because, um, and I don't want to steal your thunder. No, please, please. (laughs) But you do it in such a way that is so respectful of the past generation, right? Thank you. Hopefully. Thank you. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can feel guilty Mm. in our parenting or almost... sure. Uh, apologetic for our generation, but there yeah. are pluses and there are some challenges with each generation, right?
2: Absolutely. And let me start by saying this, that there's a paradox to parenting that we really have to embrace when we enter into this incredible journey. And that is, yes, you were their age once, But you were never their age now. And when you look at generational theory, that foundational piece, especially from a parenting perspective, is so important. I also need to, just in case we have any social scientists listening, I need to uh, remind people that generational uh, science and theory isn't necessarily the best science. It's more observational. Uh, and it can be very quickly go, or can very quickly go into stereotypes, which we want to avoid as much as possible. But there are some unique defining characteristics that define the generations. So we're going to kind of walk through some of the, the yeah, main I ones age-wise. That. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'll start at the bottom, uh, which they're now calling Gen Alpha, which I admit is not a very creative name. But Gen Alpha was, was given that name because the, the previous generation was Gen Z. That's the end of the Latin letters. So Alpha is then the start of the Greek letters. Letters, which historically is how scientists have continued to, to label things. You go from Latin letters onto Greek letters. Gen Alpha is going to have a birth date of 2010 to 2025, give or take, in there. So uh, the kids you're seeing now in elementary school and the babies being born are going to be the heart of this Gen Alpha generation. Then to go back, you're going to have Gen Z. Gen Z's birth dates are going to be uh, 1995 to uh 2010 Uh, Gen Z also not a creative name personally I prefer the names Zoomer for them because most of them did some significant time in school uh, on Zoom during the pandemic uh, or the coronials because the coronavirus is going to be that defining moment for them similar to JFK being assassinated for the boomers or uh, the Challenger space shuttle explosion for for my generation Gen X was one of our defining moments so uh, every generation has those defining moments then you move on to the millennials. The millennials are going to be that 1980 to 1995 uh, generation. Uh, Millennials are uh, ones who were not allowed to watch Friends when they were kids. They were too young to watch Friends. Good Christian parents did not allow their kids to watch Friends. But then they ended up coming to college and watched Friends and were corrupted by the horror of that uh, NBC sitcom. And then they just watched it on repeat for a long time. Correct, correct. And I, I bring up Friends because uh, uh, Friends started my first year of college. Friends really is a Gen X show, but it's been embraced by the Millennials and the Gen Z in, in, in a fascinating way. Uh, which, uh, after Millennials or becomes uh, Generation X, uh, that's going to be uh, what some call the Baby Busters. We tend to be the kids of the Baby Boomers. And our birth dates are going to be 1965 to 1980. And according to the, the, the research, this is the first of the 15 year generations. Before that, it goes to, to 20 years. Ooh. Generation X is also, uh, the last generation to, uh, be begotten from the previous generation. So most Gen X has boomer parents. But then as you look at, at, uh, people having, waiting longer to have kids, waiting longer to get married, you also see a lot of boomers having millennials. And then you see Gen X uh, kids tend to be Gen Z, millennial kids tend to be alpha, and so on and so on, uh, which leads us to the boomers. Your 1945 to 1965, your post World War II generation. Uh, we came back uh, uh, after beating the uh, the Nazis and had a lot of babies, and thus the term the baby boom.
0: And we don't go into the silent slash grace generation anymore. Huh? Well, uh,
2: and I, they, they were my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather is one of my heroes, taught me how to ride a bike, uh, fought the Nazis. Uh, incredible, incredible man of faith. Uh, and he's now in heaven. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, what are you seeing? I, mean, I know that's a huge open-ended question, but... Uh, millennials are currently raising Generation Alpha, yeah, correct? Correct. What are uh, what's their challenges? What's defining them? What? Sure. What?
2: Sure. Let's let, let's start with some of the uh, stereotypes. I, I said in the beginning, we want to avoid that, but these these have been, for better for worse, some of the defining pieces of the generations. So with, with the baby boomers, it was all about change. Nothing they touched stayed the same. Think about pop culture. Think about government. Think about uh, uh, the family. Everything changed when boomers touched it. They, they were the largest generation at the time in, in, in American history. And then you have Gen X, which becomes the, um, the slacker generation, a lot of latchkey kids. Uh, we grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons and uh, – leaving the house after our parents and coming home before our parents in, in a lot of cases. Then you have the millennials. The millennials, one of the, the, the terms that they used in response to, uh, to Gen X was slacktivists. Because if you remember things like Invisible Children or some of these, these big charities, they, they talked about doing a lot of things, but it basically became a, uh, I can be an activist if I click like on social media. Type, type idea. Uh, millennials are the bridge generation when it comes to technology. They did not grow up fully immersed in, in technology. It's going to be your your Gen Z that's going to be the first truly digital generation. Uh, But your millennial generation, that's when you saw the rise of the tech industries. And to so many millennials, their dream was to work for Google or Apple or these big corporations where you could dress however you wanted to dress for work. You could ride the slide down to your office. And there were always happy hours. Uh, Think of WeWork, if you saw any of the WeWork films and that sort of thing. Those are some of the defining characteristics of, of millennials, along with the idea that is so offensive to my millennial friends, but there is some scary reality to it, which is the participation trophy generation. Now, I should also say this. As a a Gen Xer, a very proud Gen Xer, I graduated high school in 1993, the same year as 90210 and Saved by the Bell. So we were the heart of Generation X. The key to any good, proud generationalist is that you make fun of the generation before and after you. So as the Gen Xer, it's very important I make fun of the boomers and the millennials as often as I, I possibly can. And
0: that whole life lesson... From Safe by the Bell. I mean, I got to believe that made you. I'm
2: so excited. I'm yeah. so excited. It made a great view of life. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so uh, millennials, and then we have uh, Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z tends to be the most entrepreneurial generation thus far. About 70% of Gen Zers want to own their own business, be their own boss. You probably heard some of the things about uh, less brand loyalty and more individual uh, brand. The whole idea of social media influencers, being individual. Uh, they're, They're the most lonely generation, but the most connected generation, and to give you a, a image for that, while, while millennials wanted to work for Google and Apple, Gen Z wants to be Elon Musk. They want to be the Tony Stark billionaire who can do whatever they want to do type thing. That's kind of where like Etsy comes in. You've Yeah, isn't that fascinating? You can be your own boss. Or the side hustle, if you haven't heard that term recently, you will. Everybody's got a side hustle right now. And uh, sometimes you have a real job, but oftentimes you don't. And it's more that gig economy type of thing.
0: I think it was um, really interesting when the iPhone 15 released, uh, I think it was last week. Um, Tim Cook, they were doing an interview with him, and he said, the iPhone was never made to be on all the time. And he goes, it, it's not meant to replace the face to face, and that's what we have right now. That's such. So as you say, the most connected, um, or yeah, the, the and most. The most and the most lonely. Yeah. He's saying, hey, it was never meant to be that way.
2: Now, I do have to confess, I am also an Apple customer. But when I hear Tim Cook say that, my first thought is, well, your batteries were never very good in the first place. So it sounds a little <laughs> convenient to now say that.
0: He might be justifying
2: it. <laughs> but the idea of face-to-face is, is key, is, is incredibly important. And the pandemic taught us that more than anything else. Uh, I, I know you all taught Zoom in, in, in different ways, shapes, or form, and I, I will confess I stunk at taught, teaching on Zoom because I need the interaction. I need to be able to look him in the eyes and, and connect in that way.
0: Yeah. Um, our student ministry made the decision. Um, I, we did two of them, and um, we went back to in person. Right away. Uh, yeah. We did. Yeah. Um, and uh, parents today will still put their finger on I think when they met with you, they mm-hmm. said that that um, it was the place that their kids could just be. Interesting. And they put their finger on that that was a big deal for them.
2: Um, Let me tell you this. From from a ministry preparation standpoint, I have more students at Concordia, Texas right now that want to go into full-time camp ministry than ever before. And as I processed it and and talked about why that is, I'm convinced it's because camps didn't shut down during the pandemic. They kept going. And the community that they needed, they found at camp.
0: So we're going to have you back. You're going to come back to visit. We're not in, wrapping up in Aurora. Yeah, you're coming back. I think in six uh, months. March? Yes. Yeah, so, so,
2: it depends so, when the Dodgers are in town. So, so. we're going
0: to have you back, and we're going to talk a little bit about more about the uh, about COVID and the lockdown and everything, okay. and the impact on that generation. Yeah. Uh, but for here now, kind of getting back. Um, what are the struggles? What are the challenges in parenting? Yeah.
2: So one of the most important things I can encourage parents with is rem- remember that you are the parent. You are not the peer. Uh, you are not their friend. You are the parent and you get to establish what the boundaries are, the guidelines are, the, the rules are in the family. Uh, my wife's a third grade teacher and she loves when I, I reference some of the things that she gets to experience in her classroom. But in In the reality that Gen Alpha is the the kids of millennials, one of the things that researchers are suggesting is that while millennials were the participation trophy generation, we're seeing Gen Alpha has the potential to want a trophy and not want to participate. That the entitlement that we've seen with some previous generations could go even further forward. So parents, one of our most important things is to remind our kids that yes, Jesus loves you, and yes, I love you, but you're not going to get everything you want. That is, that is a healthy way to live.
0: It's interesting um, that you bring that parents remember you are the parent. My son and I were just having this conversation this morning that so many parents want to be the friend, the best friend. Correct. And um, I think that season comes. I've, Correct. I've seen that in my own parenting that you know you are the parent and then this beautiful day comes around 25, 24, 25 where all of a sudden you're looking more eye to eye.
2: Absolutely. I'll never forget coming home from college and the book on my mother's uh, bedside. I forget the exact title of the book, but the subtitle was How to Parent Your Parents and Befriend Your Kids. So there certainly comes a point where you move into more of that friend-type relationship with your kids, but it's not when they're young. It's not when they're at home being raised. The idea of letting them choose what to eat, what to wear, that's a parent's responsibility. And I really want to encourage parents to be parents.
0: Yeah. Where we're seeing it, I think, is a little bit more of what school do you want to go to? Sure. So your 10-year-old gets a choice, but they can't take all the factors into consideration.
2: And please don't don't think I'm against dialogue and conversation right. about choice. I I think that's important. Right. I I also think one of the most important things we can give our kids is the gift of resiliency. And not allowing them to quit just when things get hard. I look at my wife, who's an incredible worship leader, piano player, and she wanted to quit piano so many times as a kid, but her mother would not let her. Now, it could have been because she already paid for those piano lessons and she didn't want to waste money, which I certainly want to honor and respect that. But if we encourage them to to fight through even when it's hard, that's going to create that resiliency and that grit, which is so key in kids.
0: Yeah, grit's become a, a word that's growing um, because uh, I think we're noticing we haven't had it in a while.
2: Well, and- I love the word grit. Let me, let me clarify that. Angela Duckworth wrote a great book on on grit, which I, I, I do highly recommend. And I think especially for parents and, and for, for teachers, uh, youth ministers, leaders, we need to find the harmony between teaching them grit and teaching them how and when to quit. And my loving example of that is if I had too much grit, I'd still be trying to play baseball for the Dodgers. And at some point I had to say, I, I can be a fan but I probably won't be able to be on the field, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I think a lot of
1: times, you know, I see parents struggle with what are good choices and what are not good choices. Absolutely. So as you say, like, hey, we need to parent, but there's those choices. Like, there are a lot of times, especially with preschoolers, it's like they want those choices. Like, they're very strong-willed, right. and they want to make choices on their own. So Absolutely. Give some
2: clarity maybe on what are good choices to give versus not yeah good to give. Th- th- thank you for asking that. such an important question and, and this is such interesting research that uh we get into this uh choice option overload if we have too many options think about uh, uh things like in and out wait do they have in and out in colorado I don't like it. Well, well, because you're, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that with a ten foot pole. That's another podcast. But that is definitely another (laughs) podcast. But the brilliance of In and Out is you have three choices, and that's it. Nobody ever wonders what they're going to get in and out. They know what they're going to get. When it comes to choices and dialogue, especially with the younger kids, give them a limited number of choices versus an unlimited number of choices. The whole, what do you want? Where do you want to eat? Those unlimited choices are oftentimes going to be more destructive than constructive so limit those choices will be the first thing i would say
0: how about um guiding your child um yeah. where are where's this generation struggling with um like uh Oh, I don't know. I can't think of the word right now, but where's their struggles? So
2: I love how you use the word guiding, and that's something that I would also encourage parents is in, in our Western American culture and society, we have chosen to outsource so many things. Uh, we outsource spiritual development to the church. And as a minister of the gospel, I find that heart-wrenching because parents are the key faith formers of their children. And I long for a generation of parents to rise up and say, I'm going to teach my kids the faith. I'm yeah. going to take that role seriously. Uh, we outsource education. We, we outsource um, behavior management. Man, one of the stories that my wife comes home with on a regular basis is uh, the the parents of her third graders don't want the kid coming home with a behavior chart because it's hurting their self-esteem. And my wife, who's an amazing teacher, says, "Okay, how would you like me to communicate their behavior to you?" And the parents essentially say no you don't that's that's your job to do that i 'll take care of it at home. You take care of it there so one of the biggest encouragements I would give parents and, and we're, we're we're teachers we're ministers we, we 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 I think we we understand this there is no conspiracy against your kid, and we are all on the same team. Right. Trust." The adults that God has put in your life and all be on the same team. Uh, all part of that guiding that God has given us. Yeah,
1: we talk a lot, you know, with parents when there are some of those struggles and it's not that we are trying to get on a child about something, it's teaming. Like, yes. If we're saying the same thing at school as the same thing at home, as the same thing as church, like, it's going to actually be clear for them and they're going to understand it better and have consistent behavior across the board. And so Absolutely. the more we can talk and like talk in front of the children Absolutely. without them in the room, the more that they realize we're on the same page, we're working together so that we are doing it for the benefit of the child.
2: So good. And I, I would even go further and to remind parents that kids are always watching. And when you bad mouth the teacher to your spouse the kids know and the kids are watching but we're all on the same team we're all on the
1: same team so yeah i've had that happen before um hard to say but as a teacher i did have a, a tough class where i was kind of learning to walk with parents in that way and had found out at the end of the year that like the moms at the group were kind of having discussions during like play group or like hangout times and my kids in the classroom had no respect for me after that. Correct. And it was Correct. just, it was just really hard
2: after that. Correct.
0: It's interesting to me. It's such a swing from, and I shared this with you yesterday, mm. such a swing from the years I grew up. So mm. I'm a, I'm a gen Xer, right? Um, had greatest generation dad. My mom was the next mm. group. And when the teacher called, right. I was in trouble the teacher was always right Right. and to flip to this where no my child is right um that can really really get us into a a rough place
2: absolutely and and i would add to that one of the most important things as parents we can teach our kids is unconditional love agape love that, that god has given us through through christ jesus uh, unconditional love does not mean there's not consequences for our behavior. It doesn't mean there's not going to be uh, harsh realities when we make wrong choices. But unconditional love is I'm going to love you through anything and everything. And my fear in in a lot of parents is they are unintentionally teaching conditional love. Where they're teaching, I will love you as long as you make me look good and we got to move beyond that where it's unconditional love. I love you because you are a child of God and you are the gift that God has given me unconditionally.
0: Amen. Uh so I know uh this this question might challenge you a little bit. All right. All right. So um if if we don't find a balance mm-hmm. um what kind of parents are your Gen Alpha? <laughs>
2: that's a that's a fascinating question. Whoa. That's a fascinating question. Uh I don't know if I have a great answer for you. If you read some of the the, the Strauss um, generational theory stuff, they'll argue that generations continue to uh, repeat and repeat and repeat. The the pendulum's got to swing at some point. Uh, I'm not sure if it always swings in the healthiest of ways. Uh, the, the right answer is time is going to tell. The The other reality is who knows what our, our country is going to look like? Who knows what our world is going to look like? Who knows what technology is going to look like?
0: Right, nobody could have foreseen the pandemic. Correct. That, that really ended up having a lot of impression on that generation. Or, or, or the
2: iPhone in the same way. Correct. If we could all go back and, and invest in phones, I thought, when I first heard that cell phones were the future, I thought they were crazy. And my wife still tells all of her friends that uh, when the cell phone first came out I told her I never want to be so important that I have to have a cell phone and I am not important at all but I'm on that thing way too much way too much when I checked into my hotel the other day I don't know if it's because I I will confess, I do put doctor on my uh, my hotel uh, thing because sometimes I get nicer rooms when I put doctor on there. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the gal who was checking me in, she probably assumed I was a medical doctor. I get that a lot. And she asked me what I thought about the new implants, which uh, are... Designed who's designing them? I forget off the top of my head who's designing them, but they're they're designed to help paraplegics move in ways they've never been able to move before. It is this incredible new technology, and she asked me what I thought about that, and I said, "Well, uh, I think if it could help somebody, that that uh, praise God, but also the idea of someone could hack my head is terrifying to me." So. With every new technology, we've got to wrestle with the ethics and and, and what that means. So the idea of education has changed so much in the last few years. Who knows if the next generation will go to school in the same way that we do? I mean, there's so many things that we have to figure out.
1: Wow. That is an interesting question. I wonder, just personally, you know, like if I'm dreamcasting, if that generation, or even just not dreamcasting, but like thinking in the future... I wonder if that generation might go back in strictness because this generation right now is hearing you don't hear no. Like teachers aren't supposed to say no and there's not supposed to be consequences. But then like people are going to be getting hurt in ways that sure. they didn't expect to be hurt. And I wonder if it might swing that way just because we yeah. are frustrated. I think people are more and more are becoming frustrated with you know, the good people saying, hey, my rights are being taken away and and nobody's advocating
2: for me anymore. Excellent point. Excellent point. Think too that right after the pandemic, when we first started venturing back into society, couldn't you tell that people had forgotten how to be human beings? Mm -hmm. It, It was interesting to be at airports and realize that people had forgotten things like how to stand in line and how to wait your turn as we continue to progress down that, there's gonna be there's gonna be that shift. Let me also. We
0: forgot how to smile at each other
2: because our faces were covered yes, and we didn't know. And
1: just yeah. Warm and right.
0: again, loving.
1: Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of what Josh. Pastor Josh would say mm-hmm. at church, which is like out of the whole world, like three percent of people. Actually, show the love of Christ in person. Wow. And I think after the pandemic, I think it went down. I wonder if it will continue to go down or if Christians will take a stand and wow. show love and, in those ways. Interesting. And,
0: and he goes on to say, that's why it's so difficult at the grocery store. Yeah. And when you yes. first said that, it was like, wow. But it's really true. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stress just in the grocery store.
2: Absolutely. And, and I love how uh, we're talking about how we treat each other moving forward. Let, let me throw in there also how we treat creation and how we, how we treat our world. Wow. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, who's a scientist who's coined the term the singularity. Uh, the singularity is a term that he uses that uh, is the moment in our history where what's technological and biological be seamless. So you won't be able to tell what's created by man and what's created by God. It it will be seamless. And he argues that's going to be 2040. And if you do the math, that's that next generation after Alpha is going to be be coming into that. So as we get more technologically advanced, I wonder how and when the pendulum will swing back to more desire for creation care, for getting outdoors, for that true uh, biological uh, interactions.
0: Which, that his that concept ties in incredibly well with the whole AI.
2: Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And by the way, the AI thing is also fascinating because we thought AI was going to eliminate blue-collar jobs. But have you noticed how many white-collar jobs AI is getting rid of yes. now? Because AI is writing policy. Yes. AI is writing music. AI is writing all kinds of things that uh, we never thought it would do, and
0: that's what the and that's what the writers' strike was about. So they actually settled the writers' strike in Hollywood, and one of the pieces in there is AI cannot write scripts. Like we see what's coming, and we got to secure Absolutely. our jobs fast.
1: Absolutely, that is so scary to me. Oh, I like, agree. So so scary. Um, my husband and I were talking last night about how, like, in the 90s, you had all the great music you were listening to some music. And, like, there was a lot of great music in the 90s. That's true. things like that. And it's like, man, why aren't we getting this creativity now? And I think, you know, we talked about, like, being afraid for how the world is changing. People move to safer methods of making movies. But that just sucks the creativity out, and if I AI is moving into that, like it's sucking the creativity out of these jobs that were meant to provide
2: that artistic creativity for humans. And we're we're wrestling with that in the legal system as well. I I know at least one of you is a big Ed Sheeran fan, but Ed Sheeran was sued by the estate of Marvin Gaye because one of his songs sounded too similar to a Marvin Gaye song. And Ed Sheeran says, if I lose this lawsuit, and he won from what I understand, but he said, if I lose this lawsuit, I'm quitting the music business because you can't create, the way that you want to create so yeah. so fascinating
0: wow so much more we could talk about and um but i, I do want to approach one thing before we close down because we always do our takeaway from the yeah, yeah. table yeah. so i'll give you guys a second but first i, I dr unions i just want to tell you how sorry i am for your loss you're a uh, uh, you're from Texas but you're uh, you're more associated as a Baylor fan so right? here's here's
2: the bottom line I, I am not from Texas I've been there for 15 years which is a long time uh, I'm from most of Southern California however my oldest daughter is a junior at Baylor so I feel like I have uh, given them enough money to be a Baylor fan and uh, okay. I don't, I assume there's no college football fans in your audience because I've um,
0: I think the only college to be a fan of is the University of Texas. And uh, uh, I, I think that's kind of a little bit of what I'm referring to. I think Texas yeah. just played Baylor, but yeah, they do. I am a lifelong Tex- Texan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to bring you up to Congratulations. It was Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> it was
2: not a pretty game. I was there, and it was not a pretty oh. game. It was not a pretty game. Uh,
0: love me some Texas football. So, uh, Janae, what's your takeaway today from the Village Table?
1: There's so many things to take away and like I'm trying to think back to one of the first things you said it kinda of, rocked my world and I can't remember what it was. But it, I think it was um, just how the different generations are so different, but then then how they interact in, in ways that Absolutely. are just interesting. You really? know, like how those interactions happen and what it says about who we are. You know, not everybody takes away you know all of the things, sure. but um, it does make it interesting and it helps us to kind of understand our culture and and how to walk
2: absolutely
1: uh, with grace. And I think okay, now I'm getting it. Um, just your definition of like this is not something that is set in stone but this is something to help us. like we want to use this not to hurt but just absolutely to, to grow
2: and absolutely
0: stone. yeah i there's so much right uh, we we have a lot here to think about but um i just love um how you spoke positive and the challenges of each generation mm-hmm. right there's no even though we call the greatest generation the greatest generation all generations have their strength Absolutely. and all have their struggle. And this side of heaven, there is no perfect generation.
2: Amen. Which
0: is the value of grandparents and A- great-grandparents exactly. and parents and Children and the family unit, that we get to speak that truth and the hope of Jesus into all those generations.
2: So when the buzzword intergenerational ministry hit a couple of years ago, I found it to be the most redundant idea I've heard in a long time. Because ministry should be intergenerational. This is the place where everybody is welcome and everybody is loved by the grace of God. So, uh, yeah. Don't if you're if you're a parent of little kids, make sure they get to see their grandkids. And if their grandkids aren't around, find some grandparents. Yes. The church is a great place to find some grandparents. If you are a senior citizen and you don't have grandkids around, find some grandkids. The church is a great place to find some grandkids. Connect through those different generations; it only makes us all better.
0: Yeah, there was a time. Again, we could do a whole podcast on this. Where we thought we took of taking a generation out that we could build a generation right. around or a church around one generation, and and we can't. We need each other. We exactly. Need that community. Exactly. And, uh, wow, Dr. Yuman, so much. Thank you so much Absolutely. for being here. Thank it's you great guys. to have you at the Village Table. Janae, it's always great to come around and chew on some life. And it really uh, is. yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you back in six. See months. See you back by six
2: months. Yeah. All Thanks, right. ladies. i
0: Donna. This is Janae, and we are The Village Table, and we will see you next time.